Hey, what's up everybody? My name's MJ and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast where the slogan is EDH, community, now and always. Before we begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So a huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach J-Ro, and Geek Beardly for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtgingquarantine for more information. And you can get your very own MTG in Quarantine Brandon Playmat over at Inked Gaming. That's I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Currently have two awesome versions, the full color logo as well as the grayscale version. They're both awesome. So if you want to go to your next event in style, definitely check out Inked Gaming. I-N-K-E-D Gaming.com. Pick yourself up an MTG in Quarantine brand playmat. You help support the show and make sure to use the affiliate link which is included in the link tree at the end or in the episode description. So definitely go check that out. So I've talked about a lot of different topics on this podcast over the last couple of years here. And, you know, trying to really get into a lot of the aspects, the more social aspects of the EDH slash commander format. But it has come to my attention that there is a major, major topic, major development that I have actually not talked about. So today's episode is a way for, for us and for you as the listeners to really be able to hear about something very, very familiar, yet a little bit different in the Commander way of looking at things. So without further ado, I would like to introduce today's episode about Commander Cube's Demented Kirby. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. So before you begin, uh, do you want to plug your content here real quick with the Commander Tavern? Yeah, sure. So, um... As was just stated, you can find me on YouTube with uh, the Commander Tavern. I'm pretty sure just a simple search on YouTube will do. Um, my channel is, well, as you can guess, all about Commander content. Um, obviously, with the pandemic, the amount of gameplay I've had has been um, reduced drastically, but I still put out deck techs, a couple of set reviews, um, and especially one mini-series which I have, which is the focus of this one, which is about Commander Cube. So I do try um, dip my toes into a little bit of everything. So, so yeah, you can find me mostly there. For sure. So yeah, again, just like I mentioned a moment ago, the topic of today's episode is a Commander Cube. Now, again, I know a lot of the listeners out there may not know exactly what a cube is just in general. So do you kind of want to walk through the, the basics of a Commander Cube and how it differs from what t- people typically talk about when they talk about a 540-card draft cube. Yeah, of course. So cube is a limited experience where the person who curates the cube, they essentially put all the cards they want in a cube to sort of create their own set. So, for example, you mentioned a 540-card cube that might be draftable between a couple of people. So basically a cube per se is, oh, I want to have maybe this archetype or I really like these cards and... You can create the cube for for any power level you want or any style you want, any gimmicks, any things in particular. And it's basically just a draft environment. You can um, do, you know, just draft or construct it, um, sorry, or limit it where you just get packs and you build it. So there's different ways you can build the cube. Now, the trick with a commander cube and why it's different 
is that since Commander is a very specific format in a whole bunch of rules that don't really tie to anything else, for example, if you build a cube and you want it singleton, or you build a normal cube and it has multiple copies, you essentially build a 40 card deck, or you know if there's any other intricacies, right, that the person who developed the cube has. But for Commander, the, spe the specifics of it is, all right, so you have to follow color identity, you have to choose a Commander, so there are a couple of things that make it a bit more complicated when you're not just designing the cube, but keep in mind that you're designing it for the experience of other players. So if you want them to be able to build a commander deck, uh, like a bona fide commander deck, they need to have a commander, preferably following the color identity rules. And that's a lot of the things that at least for the first commander legends, they were trying to have that experience with seated packs. So that's another thing you could possibly do. So there are a lot of intricacies, but basically it, it, it boils down to that. You're, you're building a cube uh, for a specific format. And the reason the format is specific is not just is not the card pool. It's not like modern or standard where you have the regular rules of magic. Commander has some added rules to it. So those are the rules you would have to take into consideration when building a commander cube. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting, that, again, that you did bring up Commander Legends. And obviously, since we will be getting Commander Legends 2 here very shortly, mm -hmm. that, uh, again, this is a very interesting experiment by Wizards of the Coast to be able to provide a draft set for for uh, the Commander format specifically. And also try to balance that a little bit with just the larger Commander community as well, just for, you know, the usual chase cards, buying singles, et cetera, et cetera, whereas a cube is specifically for that draft environment, and it only ever will be. So I think that's exactly. one, yeah, one of the major differences between the two. Really, When you really break it down to like its most granular level, a cube will always be for a draftable environment, whereas Commander Legends, you still could just crack packs for value if you wanted to. Yeah, exactly, because Wizards was in a position where, for example, I imagine the goal was like, okay, so we can't really have a master set because then other master sets, you know, you would put reprints and stuff like that, but they probably wanted to balance it out and actually make it worth cracking because then people, instead of buying packs, would just buy singles. So when I actually built my cube, I did it out of the necessity of, I really like these specific cards, but they're either too niche or they're not necessarily powerful enough where you see them in most games. And I had a really large collection at the time. And I was looking through my stuff, and I'm like, oh, these cards are great, but they don't really fit in any decks. And that's where I got the inspiration. Oh, hey, I'll make a cube. And this was way before the first Commander Legends came out. So I did a lot of trial and error. For example, the very, very first iteration of my cube, I just put a, a bunch of cards that I really liked that had, you know, overlapping synergies, because that's another thing. Like, you want your draft experience to be cohesive. You don't just want to slap together, you know, all these random cards and hope the deck works. So... That very first iteration, I actually had seeded packs. So I already had thought of seeded packs before, but in this case, you would have just one pack of 20 cards and those 20 cards would be potential commanders. So legendary creatures or planeswalkers that said, this could be your commander, stuff like that. And then three packs, that would be 20 cards of quote unquote bulk, what I like to call bulk, which is stuff that would go in the 99, right? Mm -hmm. And then a final pack, which would help you if you had a multicolored commander, for just mana fixing. So those would be lands that don't have any ability whatsoever, except tapping for multiple colors or fetching for something like a panorama. So that was the initial the initial version. So that way you would guarantee that a player would 
have a commander because if your first pack is 20 cards, there's no way someone's going to be sniping all the commanders, right? Mm -hmm. So that was my first iteration. That was what I was experimenting with. And at the beginning, it was very successful. But then after I did it a couple of times, it was weird because then once you would pick out the best commanders, all the other cards would either be Shaft or they would go on the 99. But then once Commander Legends came out, and I saw, you know, that way of doing it, which was, okay, there's a guaranteed two commanders per pack, and then the rest of the 18 cards are things to build your deck with. That was when the click happened. And I'm like, oh, perfect. That's how I can do mine. And then I really seeded the packs. And then the best thing about Commander Legends, believe it or not, is the card everybody throws away, which is the Prismatic Piper. Mm -hmm. That, in a limited environment, is way more powerful than people expect. Because if you are seeding the packs where there's only two commanders per pack, if at the beginning you have the difficult choice because it is a draft environment where, okay, I can either pick one commander and a really good card from this pack, or if you get a second pack, it's like, oh, these commanders aren't in my colors or I've been drafting these colors. So if you do end up building a deck which is outside of the colors of a potential commander, then you can just get, oh, okay, you'll ask the person who's you know administering the cube, oh, can I get two copies of Prismatic Piper? All right, sure, and then you have at least a two-colored deck. So that, to me, was more powerful than anything else, apart from, obviously, you know, the mechanic of, oh, these are how the booster packs are going to be, build it this way. Once I did that with my playgroup, before Commander Legends came out, because once it was promoted, they said, oh, this is how it's going to be drafted. That's when it clicked. I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll experiment that way. They all loved it, because then I started to realize, oh, okay, I don't need so many slots for this. I don't need so many slots for that. So it slowly helped me evolve how the experience would be, and then... You know, obviously through trial and error, I'm like, okay, this would work with a limited commander environment. This won't work necessarily with a limited commander environment. So Commander Legends was actually very helpful in, in, in that aspect. So yeah, you're definitely right. It's it's not just a matter of, oh, providing new singles, but it gives players an, uh, a reason to crack packs. So that's, you know, where it more or less ties into the, the cube philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Prismatic Piper is definitely <laughs> definitely an interesting case here because, again, as we start seeing more partners, especially in a limited environment, it's nice to be able to have that kind of flexibility, as you said. Because, again, a lot of the partners, and, again, I'm using Commander Legends here just as my example, um, mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a lot of Legends out there, but, again, they don't necessarily do what you want them to do. So in, in regards to the, the card text, the abilities, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always nice to be able to have that fallback with the Piper, just in case you need it. Yeah, for sure, because Commander, honestly, you know, it's it's the go-to casual format, but it's it's the go-to casual format if you're a more experienced player because you're, you already have sufficient mastery of the game, then you're adding to that the complexity of deck building of these additional rules. Well, imagine also adding about that the complexity of a draft format for example if you're if you're new to the game or you're not really experienced with drafting you might not have maybe draft a really you know um cohesive deck but in terms of commander on top of maybe not having drafted a cohesive deck you maybe don't have a commander to be able to pilot it so at least with two copies of the prismatic piper if you know if all else fails you can say okay whatever well i'll take the best blue and green cards i have and then I'll just have two Prismatic Pipers and they're green and blue. So, so that is very helpful for newer players as well, or just people in general who, who aren't you know, that skilled in, in a draft environment to still be able to at least have you know, a functional um, commander deck. 
Okay, yeah, I, I think that this really kind of lends itself back into the question of exactly how a commander cube differs from a standard cube. So it's t 60 mm -hmm. card, it's sixty cards, correct? Uh, decks instead well, of 40? That, or are you running yeah, that's full what's 100? Yeah, that's what's interesting. I always ran full 100. My okay. cube is actually 1,080 cards. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Huge. and it's meant to be, yeah, it's, it's, it could be drafted four people or eight people because ideally you want, you know, the four-player pot. So... The reason it has so many cards is because the, the thing with Commander is also the color identity. I can't have anything be lopsided, which is why I'm kind of a bit annoyed that a lot of the land mega cycles aren't completed because mm -hmm. then things are lopsided. So it does make the mana base a bit more difficult. For example, the Battle for Zendikar Tango Lands, I don't have them in my cube because the enemy colored ones are missing, right? But yeah. with the with Blue Capenna, the other three... Um, tricycle the fire the other five tricycle lands the the triomes they were completed so now i can have them in my cube so it, it does add to the complexity of how you build the cube um in mine in particular i i wanted bona fide commander decks but i also wanted to add a lot of spicy stuff for example my cube has a lot of banned cards it has silver bordered cards it also has conspiracy and other draft matters cards mm -hmm. because outside of a draft those cards are useless for example you you can't have conspiracies in a constructed deck, but if you're drafting, it's all good. So I wanted to add, you know, things that's not just, oh, I'm building a commander deck because then why don't we all just take out our commander decks and play with that? There has to be, you know, some form of, of allure to put it that way, like, like the marketing quote unquote, right? Aspect of why people would want to draft your cube instead of just playing a normal game. So that was the challenge from the get-go. I wanted 100 cards. I wanted people to, you know, build their commander deck. So I started from the top down. So I said, okay, I want, I like all these cards, but I still have to put some commanders. So back then when I first started it, I had a whole bunch of legendary creatures in a binder. I said, like, all right, I'll put these out. I'll take these, I'll shuffle them around. This works. These are more or less the colors I have. It's not that lopsided and it worked. So I figured, okay, now if I'm really serious about this, I'm going to have to, you know, add more cards to it. So if you look at, and I have my, um, my cubes on, on Cube Cobra. If you look at, at the stats, you'll realize that in terms of, of color, everything is, you know, the same. For example, I have um, 150 possible commanders in the cube, 770 potential cards that go in the 99. I have 160 um, lands that are just for mana fixing. And as I mentioned earlier, I separated them by packs. So since now I drafted like Commander Legends, every pack has... Two potential commanders, three of every monocolor, and then either three of colorless or multicolor, and that makes up the 20 cards of the pack. So those are the four, the first four packs. And then the fifth pack is strictly 20 at random mana fixing lands. So in there you would have, like I mentioned, panoramas or you know, check lands or shock lands, what have you. But if you take that, you know, the the commanders. I have five of every monocolor. I have five of every two color. I have um, six of every three color. And then the four colors where it's a bit, you know, lopsided because for the ones that don't have black, you have Kinao and Tiro of Miletus, but then you also have Omnath. And then nine of the five colored ones. So what that, but benefit that has is that I can seed packs where if players pick a commander, they're not going to feel like they're fighting amongst everybody else for other colors. Because if, if obviously, you know, hard mode is choosing a monocolored commander, but you have four people drafting 20 packs. So you might be able to build a monocolored commander. 
So that was the difficulty. The difficulty was in the balance. It's not just, oh, I really like these cards, but it's also, oh, will this be draftable? Can I have my players draft cards and actually build a bona fide 100 card commander deck? So that was the challenge from the get-go. So it's been a lot of trial and error. I think maybe because this was pre-pandemic, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe since um, 2018, I've been working on um, my commander cube and it's been slowly evolving, but now it's reached a point where I'm really satisfied with it. It works well, it's smooth, and now it's just, oh, I like these new cards that come out and then I swap them out for other more expensive cards because that's another thing. I try to keep it budget as well. So it, it, it's, it's difficult to say the least. That's why I, um, I decided to, to make that mini series on my YouTube channel where I guide people more or less, not just on, oh, here's maybe the easiest way you can do it, but also alternate ways you can do it, or maybe considering putting silver border cards, considering putting playtest cards or conspiracies or heroes and all that kind of like flair because you, you make the cube how you want it. If you want to avoid any two, two card instant win combos, then you just maybe put one, but not the other, or maybe you want to prize luck. Like, oh, if there's 1,080 cards, if you have a two card combo in there, the odds of you drafting that are astronomical. So, you know, it's, it's not that unfair if someone does manage to draft it because you still have, you know, to draw to the card. So there's definitely a bunch of challenges that, that are involved in having such a hyper specific um, cube that's not just a standard cube. And even then, I could have made it 60 card, but I'm like, no, I want to go gung-ho. I want this to be exactly like, you know, Commander. There are no house rules either for my cube. No, like, oh, if you draft this card, it has a special ability. No, I wanted my cube to be very plug-and-play. Very simple. If you know how to play Commander and you know how to draft cards, you can draft my cube, no problem. Build a Commander deck, no problem. Because you're already drafting 100 cards. It's five 20-card packs. So obviously add to that the basic lands that you have a quote-unquote unlimited supply of, and you can build your deck. If you build three colors, but you not necessarily had all the dual lands or the triple lands that you needed, but you can still you know, fill in the rest with basic lands. So it's, it's, it's there. It is possible, but you, it's like, I, like I mentioned earlier, it's, it's quite a bit of work for sure. Yeah, I can definitely imagine, especially since you are trying to fill in as many cards as you can and then fill just basics in and whatnot. So, yeah, it seems like a long kind of draft experience. How long does it generally take to draft a 100-card deck in this format? Well, um, at least in my case, the very first time, it took a while because since I did want to, like I mentioned, since I did want to put a lot of niche cards and a lot of cards that are also banned, like silver border cards are banned, playtest cards are banned, so there's, there's also that level of enjoyment from just drafting it as well. For example, the draft itself can be an hour or an hour and a half, but that's because you have people, oh, I've never seen this card before, so they're reading it. So I don't have many staples in my, in my cube. I'd have, for example, obviously, you know, rampant growth and stuff like that, mm -hmm. but there's cards from older sets or really niche cards or drafting cards per se that people have never seen because if, if you're building cards that are legal in commander what's the point of putting a draft matters cards it's not going to do anything right and then wishes as well you don't expect that but in a draft environment you are left with a sideboard which is something you know i can talk about a little bit about later so that is fun as well seeing as you know this is your project you built it so the point is for people to have fun but when you see people have that eureka moment of oh wow i've never seen this card you know when they're drafting things from the pack 
that is at least to me that is like, like a personal satisfaction so the draft in and of itself can be an hour an hour and a half but then once you know people draft your cube enough there are so many cards you'll always have more or less that experience because obviously in a single draft you're not going to see every card but they slowly but surely get the gist of it okay so i draft this i do that so there are inherent strategies in the draft per se but i would say on average one one and a half hours if someone's like new to my cube and i always ask beforehand hey do you want everything to be a surprise or do you want to know more or less what's in the cube so i can give you the link and then the game obviously can last anywhere from one and a half hours to two hours you know a typical commander game mm -hmm. but what we do to more or less save time is okay we drafted once we play a couple of games and then if we have more time we can draft again so it's not like oh draft play shuffle bear you know shuffle everything back up and then play again so a session can last anywhere maybe five to six hours for like the draft and maybe one or two or hopefully three games so so yeah there's always that i wanted to have that fun factor to not have you know the draft be a drag like oh i want to you know get this over with to build my deck so no it's like there's a lot of draft matters cards conspiracies heroes you know um banned cards because thanks to being banned the cards are also cheap so, you know that's always so good for for a budget yeah key. so i would say yeah on average more or less that's how it is all right so yeah let's talk about those banned cards real quick i'm kind of curious to know um Hey, again, you have mentioned them, silver borders, some of the conspiracy yeah. cards, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess I'm curious, what are some of your favorite non-black bordered, we'll just go with that, cards that are in the cube? Oh, for sure. A lot of the highlights are, for example, I run um, X. X is the one where you can put it into an opponent's hand and then play cards from their hand. Um, another one that people love to play is Phoebe, because you can also steal, you know, another creature's text box. Um, Richard Garfield is another one that people really like, because if, if you know enough cards and you have a card in your hand, you can play it as, as something else. So those are some, some silver border cards that are great. Um, Booster Tutor is another great one, because any <laughs> cards that aren't drafted, you know, they're still oh in the God, cube. So, so yeah, so you can take a pack out of that and, um, some... Some playtest cards that are really um, that people really like as well. You have Vazal because Vazal again can has the activated abilities of any creature on the battlefield. So that ties into one of the themes I also have in the cube. One of the themes is like um, what I like to call you know the envy, the jealousy. Like oh I wanted to pick that but I didn't pick it. But oh since you're playing it you know I can take it away. So I have sent triplets also or lots of clone effects. So that's one archetype in the queue because unlike, you know, I know people don't like other players to play with their cards, you know, those thievery effects, but the cards aren't yours. It's, you know, whoever owns the queue. So like there is no salt or bad blood. It's, it's curious how when you play a normal commander deck, people are stealing each other's cards and people, you know, get a little bit irksome about it. But here it's like, oh, it's fun. Everybody enjoys it because they either didn't see it or, you know, it's like the play, oh, well, you have that, I have it too. So those are usually those cards that people that people enjoy that are that are banned. But I do have a bit more powerful cards that are banned. For example, balance is in the cube, but since you're not building around balance, it's not broken. Balance serves as more or less, you know, like a board wipe or you know putting everything everybody back at the same level. So those are the kinds of cards that I made sure to to keep it a bit balanced. Um, limited resources was one that was in the cube. But I took it out because even though it wasn't built around, it wasn't providing a good experience. So testing, I took out, you know, some of them. But for, for those specific cards, like 
they're fun. Like, I don't have any of the really wacky silver bordered cards like, oh, arm wrestle or hold your breath or stuff like that, because that puts players in a difficult position that maybe it's something they don't want to do. So a lot of the silver bordered cards that are in it or the playtest cards are cards that for all effects and purposes could be black bordered, if not for the silver border. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So, I, so that's why, yeah. Yeah, so, so basically, instead of using, like, the manual dexterity silver-bordered cards or things like yeah. a personal favorite astronaut's coupon, which is funny, yeah, but it, yeah. Does, it doesn't really function well in this sort of environment, you're, you're basically choosing the cards that are a little bit weird in a way in the fact that they're silver-bordered but are not completely outrageous. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's cards that work. For example, um, one of the, the playtest cards that I have is Tybalt the Chaotic. And that's fun because it provides an element of randomness without, you know, being too, too far out there, especially now, you know, with the D&D &D set that you have mm -hmm. options and stuff like that. So I try to, to include to pepper in sort of to say that some cards that would work well within a deck as well. So if you're if you have a spell slinging deck, for example, if you build one of those every time you cast, you know, an instant or sorcery and then you manage to draft that planeswalker, then every turn it's triggering those effects because you're casting that spell. So I also try to make it, you know, to fit in at least with some archetypes while still having that wow or that unexpected factor. Okay, yeah. Now, you mentioned you run sideboards, so the wish cards are activated and are online. Yep. How exactly does that work? Well, in this case, since it's not a quote-unquote wish board which a lot of people have you know um have been clamoring for and a lot of nolgs's that run tournaments allow for that in this case by default you have a sideboard let's say you decided to build a, a white red green deck and when you're drafting let's say that pack you received has only three cards left and none of them in those three colors you have no other choice than to pick it but it's fine because you can fill in all those empty slots with with basic lands. So you have those cards left over. So let's say, for example, you're you're in those three colors that I mentioned, red, white, and green, and then you picked a blue um, creature. But you, one of the cards you drafted was Living Wish, which lets you pick a creature or a land you own from outside of the game. Well, guess what? You have a sideboard because that's what happens when you're drafting. You are left with a sideboard. Any cards you don't have in your deck makes your sideboard. So you're not picking it from literally outside of the game or from a wishboard, it is your sideboard. So if you wanted to, if you, you know, picked a clone because you had no other choice, but then you can say, oh, I have Living Wish. Hey, I can play this clone because maybe I also drafted a um, Mana Confluence or a City of Brass, you know, or have Birds of Paradise, let's say, mm -hmm. which can tap for blue. So that also adds to the complexity in, in how you pick it. Like, is it worth it to pick a wish if I want to, you know, play cards outside of my colors? So, and it, and it is possible because that is how wishes work. Wishes don't work in Commander because that's a constructed format. You don't have a sideboard. But in a draft environment, it's different. So technically, that's not even a house rule. There is a specific rule for Commander that would not allow it to work otherwise. But since it is a gray area, and I think I tweeted that to Toby Elliott, he mentioned that that's why they avoid any wish effects in draft environments like Commander Legends and probably Com um, Boulder's Gate. But here it works because you have a sideboard. So it's, it's, it's working in the literal sense. So you're not really like breaking per se a rule of Commander. That's why I mentioned earlier, I don't have any house rules. Like if you play a wish effect, okay, it works, you have a sideboard.
It doesn't work in constructed because in constructed, you don't have a sideboard. Where are you taking the card from? That's why people talk about wishboards and stuff like that for other environments. But here it works because you have a sideboard. Yeah, that is really, really interesting. I'm glad, I'm glad we got to talk about that. Just the fact that there are so many wish cards that exist out there that obviously are not included in the commander pool in general. It's interesting mm -hmm. that the, the cube offers you that freedom to be able to really personalize the experience and really be able to kind of go top down and really control the experience. That's, it, that's really interesting. Again, as we've talked about throughout this whole episode versus standard constructed is the fact that you're able to build that particular environment and make sure that it never leaves that environment. Obviously we talk spent a lot of time talking about how you try to improve the social or, you know, maybe not necessarily improve, but try to discuss the social aspects of Commander, VDH in general. And the cube really kind of circumvents a lot of that because the cards are fixed. The only thing that really changes is how you draft. So you don't really have to worry about a lot of those other conventions that you may have to in more constructed uh, environments. So yeah, it's just really, really cool to hear how you've been able to take a lot of these various cards, whether it's Silverboard, whether it's Playtest cards, whether they're banned on the EDH ban list, and just really be able to, th or, or the Conspiracies especially, and be able to utilize those cards in an environment where they can thrive. Exactly, and that's where the fun comes from, because you don't have to worry about people playing at different levels. In fact, that same social aspect that you mentioned is what inspired me to do it in the first place. For example, I've been playing for a very long time, and before I moved um, from Puerto Rico to Ohio, I had a play group where there was a lot of lopsidedness in terms of, you know, these newer players, they don't have access to as many cards because they haven't been playing for so long. And then myself and um, maybe two or three other players in that pod, we were more or less at the same level, but as newer players, you know, started being involved with us, I figured, well, it's, it's, I can understand, for example, their frustration that, oh, maybe I don't have as many cards to choose from, so my decks aren't maybe at the same level. And then I had the brilliant idea like, oh, I have all these cards. I can probably sort through them and help them get ideas. But then it clicked. What if I just make a cube so that everyone's on the same level? So you don't have to worry about people pub stomping, whether it's intentional or unintentional, or having you know these cards that you don't have access to, but they have access to. I figured what if everybody has access to all the same cards? So that is the initial inspiration for, for the cube, not just, oh, I have all these cards I don't play with, but coupled with, you know, those feel bad moments that you want to avoid. So it's, it does, in a sense, alleviate a lot of those worries with pregame discussions. Are we playing at the same power? Or I don't like these strong cards, or these cards are too expensive. Because the most expensive cards in my cube are the mana fixing because unfortunately, you know, shock lands are 20 bucks, but that's a cycle that's complete. And I need 160 lands that mana fix that aren't lopsided. So, you know, there's pain lands also. There was gates for a time that I swapped out for the triumphs. So, so there is that sort of, you know, everyone is guaranteed to be on the, on the level playing field. The only difference then in this particular case would be how good are you in limited environments? you know, to, to, to be able to plan ahead or maybe remember if there was a really good pack, you know, what cards might circle around. And you'd be surprised, a lot of people, once they, they got the gist of it, they figured, oh, these wish effects are really powerful because then I can, you know, maybe pick a card purposefully outside of my colors and hopefully, you know, get that wish card or that wish effect to get it. And those people, for example, Fae of Wishes, 
is such a powerful card because Fate of Wishes is not, you know, tied specifically to a to a, um, a type like Living Wishes. Oh, it only has to be a creature or land, but Fate of Wishes, as long as it's a non-creature card, you're good to go. And Wish from from Commander from um, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. When I saw that, I was like, awesome, I can play any card. So that's usually top pick for a lot of people. So, and conspiracies as well. Um, conspiracies are usually the first cards to go. Heroes are the first cards to go. So you're, you start to notice a trend that maybe there would be a really powerful card in the pack, but then people would say, oh, wait, but this is limited. It's a bomb for sure, but I'm not guaranteed to get it. So I would rather get a conspiracy because I start the game with that or a hero because I start the game with that or a wish that would allow me to expand basically what my deck can do. And those tend to be the first cards to go. So it's really interesting how it sort of flips it on its head with the way I built the cube that you are playing commander, but you're sort of playing it in like in a totally different, you know, environment or, or vision, I should say. So the, the core of it is there, but how you get to the game is different. Wow, yeah. Now that now that you mention that, it, it makes a lot of sense that wishes are extremely powerful in your cube because it effectively allows you to have access to 101st, 102nd, 103rd cards, etc., etc. Um, it doesn't matter what those cards are. The fact you have access to more than your 100 cards is quite a powerful effect when everyone's roughly the same level. Um, yeah, or, and it's a, it's yeah. A tr yeah, and it's a trade because, for example, let's say you have Golden Wish. Golden Wish doesn't do anything unless you have an enchantment in your sideboard. So let's say you, you pick that, but you didn't really pick a good enchantment that would be, you know, make it worthwhile to be your 99, so you might not even play it. So that's the gamble in that as well, that you, you're not really going to pick outside of your colors purposefully until you pick a wish card. But the wishes are there so that if you had no other choice, but you can potentially play around. So it's like it, it has both aspects. You can do it purposefully or you can do it incidentally, but that's the beauty of the cube. Every card is actually played how the person who picks it plays it. Maybe I, as a designer, have, you know, an idea of these overlapping synergies or, or you know, ways that you're playing um, a deck, whether it's like Graveyard Recursion or, you know, plus one, plus one counters. So whatever theme I have, it's interesting when I see other people play it, I discover new things too, like how they played their cards. Like, oh, wait, that was amazing. So that's why purposely, for example, I have um, the playtest card, Command the Shaft, which lets you look at an opponent's sideboard and you cast a card from there without playing its mana cost. And then the card is exiled. So like it, that, it, it mixes the sense of wishing and thievery. So it, it, does, it does bring a, a nice layer of complexity to the game that's not forced. That if you want to partake in it, you can. And as a, as a player, as a brewer, because at the end of the day, you are constructing a deck with what you're doing, it gives you multiple venues of how you want to go about it. So that's what I mentioned earlier. You know, have that little bit of spice in it to entice people to want to do it because the process is so long. Like before the game even starts, you're quote unquote playing a full game. It's like an hour, an hour and a half because you are drafting 100 cards each time with multiple players. And that's excluding some of the cards that add booster packs to the draft, like some of the conspiracy cards do. So you, you want to try and at least make every aspect fun of of the cube so in that sense that not only brings the 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 building dynamic like you mentioned but it also adds that like tiny bit of complexity to it it's sort of like a mini expansion if for board games and stuff for sure 
Yeah, so uh, last question I have before we end the, the, the episode today. What are some of your favorite stories from drafting and from playing this cube? Obviously, you've been working on this for years, but do you have any like quick, fun little stories about silly things or just OP things that have just happened in your cube that you maybe still either still remember or were just completely outrageous that you just had a great time and you could never forget? Yeah, for sure. Before, since I had this uh, before the, the pandemic, in the pandemic, a lot of reserve lifts cards spiked. So I used to have, for example, Ring of Maroof because it was the original Wish effect, but at $200 a pop, I obviously took it out. But I was playing, I was building a deck and I, it was green, blue, and black. But I, one of the cards I drafted at the beginning before I ended up choosing my commander was Nerf War. Where you, and I had a huge Nerf gun and for the cube. I, I started with a small one. That's the card where you shoot Nerf, nerf darts at a deck. And obviously that card was super, super banned when it came out because you run the risk of damaging you know, someone else's cards. But all the cards are mine, so I don't care if you're shooting, you know, nerf nerf darts at my deck. But I had the problem where I couldn't play it because those weren't the colors I was playing it. But then every single wish card that came out, I picked it. So I picked out um, the cunning wish, and then I picked out research and development. So the whole game, I was wishing to draw into, you know, my tutors or my wish effects, and then finally I did, and I went through a whole bunch of loops. So what I did was, and everybody was like losing their mind. I cast the Cunning Wish to get research and development, and then I cast that card to put Nerf War in my deck. And then finally I pull out a Black Tutor. So I tutor for Nerf War, and I cast it. And then nobody expected it because it was one of my first picks, so no one even knew it was there. So I had to jump through so many hoops, but I was able to do it. And then when I finally, you know, shoot the blaster at my opponent's deck, I did absolutely nothing. So it was like super hype, everybody was super pumped, but then I couldn't do anything with it. So it was like, you know, on the fence. So it was always this, you know anxiety back and forth like will i be able to do it will it happen and then the having pulled it off was so satisfying like i don't i didn't even care that i missed like i'm such a bad shot <laughs> so but it was crazy like i i played nerf war in a commander game that was off its colors so you you, you add all of that to it and that's the kind of stuff that you were able to pull off in in my commander cube i will never forget that that was that was super crazy wow i can't believe i've never heard of that card before <laughs> Yeah, so so that was, and, and what was funny was to add everything else is like I missed the deck, but my buddy had his his um dice his dice in like a container. There was like I think maybe fifty dice in it. That's what I hit. So wow. So I hit I hit that. I knocked it off the table, and all the dice exploded everywhere. I mean, it was chaotic, but it was super fun. Like he wasn't even upset. He was like he was laughing along with all of us. So it was super crazy. Like that was one of the funnest things I've ever done. And it's crazy how that's something that you would never achieve in Commander, not just because I did it with the Wish Effect, but because I played Nerf War. Wow. I Yeah, I, I still can't believe that actually happened. That is an amazing story. Wow. Yeah, so that, so that, that to me was like the, the coup de grace. <laughs> that's like, yes, I was able to do this. This thing is super fun. It works. Oh, wow. That, that is an amazing story. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast with me and talk about Commander Cube. I've definitely learned a lot about how Cube differs from Commander Legends and just from Constructed Commander in general. And it's really fun to hear about actually utilizing a Nerf gun in a game of Magic. I honestly never thought I would ever hear the two of those things in one sentence, but here we are. 
Yeah, for sure. No, and, and thank you for having me. I love this topic. And to me, it's such a niche topic that every time I have, you know, the, the opportunity to talk about it or, or to share with other people, then I love to do that because it, it's, it's really, you know, up to someone and their ideas. And as someone who, who plays cube also, you know, they have a certain pride when they build their cube and how they do things. So I, I love being able to combine, you know, my favorite ways of playing this game, which is commander, you know, and then having that, that limited environment. And I'm glad that, you know, all the experiences that I've had, you know, all, all the struggles, like I mentioned, the trial and error, you know, just, you know, honing it down and learning from it myself to be able to teach other people and help other people, you know, maybe if they were thinking about it, but it seems so complicated, then I love helping people out, you know, and showing people things. So I'm, I'm so glad that, that you had me over because that gives me yet another opportunity, you know, to, to share with others my experiences and maybe inspire others to build one of their own. For sure. And that's why I do the podcast, honestly, is to be able to get people on who really talk about their passion projects. And it's things like this that I really hope are making a positive impact on the community. And it's just great to be able to learn about everything, too. I mean, I feel like that's one of the things that kind of goes un unsaid in a way in a lot of my episodes is I'm just like the listeners. Is I love bringing people on here to talk about what they're passionate about and to learn directly from the source. It's really cool to be able to, to really have these kinds of discussions and really be able to learn a whole lot of new and interesting things. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Like I said, thank you, because you, you, you really talk a lot about that social aspect of Commander, which is such an important part of the game. We're not just, you know, turning uh, cardboard sideways. There, there is that social environment, that camaraderie, that fun. And sometimes, you know, pregame discussions are, are, you know, sometimes you're walking on eggshells. But that's another thing that I love about the cube. You know, everyone's on the same level. So it, it almost eliminates it completely. Like the pregame discussion is usually me saying, there's no house rules or I would usually explain how the draft works. So that's also a, a relief in a sense that you, you, you're just using that time to explain how to do it instead of, you know, making all of these decisions or asking all of these questions. So I'm glad that I was also able to, to, you know, to talk about that social aspect of it with you as well. Yep, for sure. So yeah, um, again, before you go, could you again pitch all the work you do over the Commander's Tavern? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in YouTube, you search me literally as the Commander Tavern. I'm pretty sure that's the link as well as this YouTube, you know, um, backslash the Commander Tavern, and that should help uh, you find it. Um, in my YouTube, you can find in the about and in any in any video, actually, in the description, you can find also all of my social media. My Discord is free to join. There's no paywall to join my Discord. Um, Twitter also as well. Every now and again, I post a couple of memes or you know, promote other things on, on, um, on Twitter. And also for my series, if you go to my playlist, then you can see there my mini series for, for commander, uh, for commander cube in particular, which is what we we're talking about. Um, there's a couple of videos there. I don't, off the top of my head, I don't really remember how many videos I think it may be five or six of, about commander cube draft. And then there also in those links, you can find the links to my cube. So, I have a cube that I curate in real life. You can see card by card on Cube Cobra, all the cards in my cube. I also have an online version of my cube, which is also fun because all those, you know, limits of price or if the card is digitally only, I also have digitally exclusive cards in my online version of my cube. So you can check that out as well. So technically I curate two cubes, but 
yeah, it's just how much I love the game, but for sure you can find most of my stuff on YouTube. So just, you know, the minimal amount of scouring on YouTube, you can find um, all pertinent links to stuff to, to all my other things and projects. And you can pretty much find me there and, and on Discord as well. Yeah, and I will be dropping the link to that in the episode description here, so you actually don't have to go search it out for yourself, everybody. You can go straight down to the episode description, you click on the link, and you should be right there. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, no problem. And if you want to see any of the previous episodes I've done on the MTG and Quarantine podcast, you can find those on the usual podcast outlets. That's your Googles, Apple, Spotify, Player, FM, Rocketcast, Pocketcast, Overcast, and a million other podcast outlets. I never remember all of them, but if it's a major podcast outlet, odds are you can probably find my show on there. You can also find me on Twitter at, at MTG in Quarantine. I'd like to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support my show over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So a huge thank you to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Draco Lucian, Nick S, Infamous Fridge, Frugal Brutal, Jen of the Filthy MTG Casuals, Coach Jero, and Geek Beardly for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. And make sure you go over to Inked Gaming, that's I-N-K-E-D-Gaming.com, pick up your own personal MTG in quarantine brand playmat. Every playmat sold helps the channel be greatly appreciated. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the MTG in Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.